0: Everyone, welcome to another episode of Future Folio, a podcast about investing in the future. Um, this is our first week back after a couple weeks' hiatus, um, but we are excited to be back today talking about ways um, that you can potentially grow your crypto tax free. So that should be exciting. But before that, I should do my disclaimer nothing that you, we say on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Don't make any changes to any area of your life based on anything we say. With that out of the way, Adam, how are you? We haven't talked in a while. We've both been busy. Yeah, it's
1: been a few days. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I am discovering um, this is my first uh, December with Coinbase, and what I've learned is that there is a proud annual tradition at Coinbase of uh a whole lot of stuff that needs to get done um before the holidays uh every year to try and hit annual targets and wrap things up and then uh they very generously give us the last week off of the year but that also means that we got to do um everything that's due by the end of the year and the quarter and the month and have it done in a three week month so uh so it um swept me up washed me uh washed me in And uh, we missed recording last week, which made me sad, made me sad in my heart. I missed. uh, But um, while uh, while I was caught up in all that, I was doing some behind the scenes stuff that you and I have talked about that that we'll save for next time when we can explore in more depth. But big, big things coming. Good things.
0: Yeah, there's we have a pretty exciting announcement coming up. I think we'll wait to the beginning of next year to where we can work everything out. But I'm I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I, I think that'll be a good episode to just kind of like, you know, talk through um, where we're headed next and, and how we want to approach this sort of um, second season of uh, Future Folio. Um, lots of uh, Brave New World, Bold New Opportunities, Web3-ish stuff that we're going to do to um, try and grow the podcast as no podcast has ever grown before. So, uh, so that'll be fun. That's a, that's a teaser. Yeah. But, um yeah, and, in the meantime and there
0: and there could be something in it for the for our listeners. So
1: yeah. So how have you been? I assume you've been making a lot of phone calls and sending a lot of emails along the lines of please don't panic, this too shall pass. Yeah. Been- you know,
0: you know, you develop you build a diversified portfolio for clients, but one of the things I will do is let's say you come to me and you have a million dollars and you have $500,000 in in your your cash account or your personal Roth or your personal IRA, and then you have another $500,000 in your Work 401k well, I'm going to do all the boring allocations in your work 401k. So that's where the the large cap funds are going to go. That's where the large cap international funds are going to go, because typically your work 401k portfolio has good options for those categories. And so it doesn't make sense for me to, to manage those particular options. And so What I'm trying to do then is balance out the rest of your portfolio. I wanna give you exposure to micro caps because if we look over 20 to 30 years, micro caps should outperform. I wanna give you exposure to growth and technology and emerging markets and all the things that you don't have an option to have in your work portfolio. Well, the problem is, is that over the past, I don't know, few months, the large caps have just crushed it. I mean, Apple is up, I don't know what it is now, but it's up 20, 25% in the past month or two. Oh,
1: where, really? Yeah, it's I didn't rid- even see that.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Whereas, um, you know, the smaller companies, the micro caps and growth companies have just gotten hammered because they're more sensitive to inflation. And if it, inflation is as bad as everyone thinks it's going to be, or some of the naysayers think it's going to be, it could hurt some of that those portfolios so anyway I've been trying to explain to clients what's going on because it looks like you know their work portfolio this boring portfolio is just doing so well and this portfolio that's supposed to help them outperform over the long term is just getting crushed um, and so you know I just try to, to remind them that we have a you know 10 20 year time horizon and that um, over the long term, you know, we believe that this portfolio will outperform. But interestingly today was, you know, today all the things I would typically put you in did incredibly well, whereas the general markets actually kind of underperformed. So it's just been a weird time in the market.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Our buddy um, Ross Gerber sent a couple of tweets that were like, look, it's Omicron and nobody knows what it means or what to do. Um, But it's just kind of a lot of, Like I guess you'd call it panic selling, but it's sort of like that. Now it's going down. Now it's going up. I don't know what's going on. Um, Bitcoin seems to be getting uh, caught in uh, in the sort of maelstrom in the backdraft.
0: You know, I've noticed that it will almost you know whatever my growth portfolio is doing, whatever a growth stock is doing. If it's down five percent, Bitcoin seems to be down five percent. And then when it comes back up, Bitcoin seems to come back up, which which is you know, it's a bit of problematic because part of the the argument for Bitcoin is it's a hedge against market volatility or inflation, whatever your, you know, the equity markets are doing. Hopefully, Bitcoin can be a hedge against that.
1: Um, yeah, it is interesting. I think as more and more institutional investors come into Bitcoin, which was the thing that everybody talked about for years and years, was wait until the institutions start buying this, and now they are. Yeah, and so I think. Part of what's happened is that, you know, the institutional quote unquote common sense is now worked its way being priced into uh, the Bitcoin action. And so, you know, if, if the market makers in the traditional equities market are feeling squeamish because they think Omicron is going to cause another end of the world, then uh, some of that uh, negative sentiment presumably is now reflected also in the uh, behavior of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's right. the
1: price of Bitcoin. Yeah, I think that's so, right.
0: You know, I also think you have a couple things happening. I, I think you have a little tax loss harvesting going on at the end of the year, uh, and then you have margin calls happening. You know, the, always, you, always. You, you when whenever one of the things you'll notice is when things get bad in the markets, they get really, really, really bad. Um, and what I try to tell people is the moment you just feel sick at your, to your stomach about your losses, it's going to keep dropping more because at that moment, people are starting to get hit with margin calls and it has to flush out those margin calls. And so you'll see this incredible drop and then it just feels like the floor drops out. And it's at that moment where the floor drops out, you think this cannot fall any further. You're actually, you, you, you're, you're right and you're wrong. Like it's not going to fall up more in in reality, but it's going to drop more just because of the the margin calls. People don't wanna sell at that price, but they're getting liquidated and then they're gonna come back in and begin to buy that up. And so we've seen that happen a couple times over the past week or two. You just have had these massive drops. It just, you feel, it feels stomach churning, and then all of a sudden it just keeps going because there's just, it, you, you're getting, people are getting liquidated out of positions. So I wouldn't be surprised if some people are getting liquidated and having to liquidate some Bitcoin and Ethereum and other coins to help backstop some of their equity positions. Because, you know, in the long run, I, you know, I've got positions that I believe in fully. So, you know, one of the companies I like a lot is DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean crushed their earnings. Everything looks rosy for this company. They're doing incredibly well. But their stock has gone from 130 down to $70 in the past month. No bad news. Nothing to indicate that anything has changed in the story of this company from their last earnings report, which after that earnings report, the stock exploded. So it, it's just a weird time. And so I think people know, like, you know, DigitalOcean, it's undervalued or it, it's a it is decently priced with relatively at, you know, the current valuation. And so you don't want to sell out if you get a margin call. So I think maybe people are taking some of their crypto and backstopping that. Who knows?
1: Well, that's why I have all of my money in SafeMoon, where I could get away from all this madness and be over here with the uh, the free thinkers, the smart money over here. And In uh, Shiba Inu. But uh, all right. Well um so let's get into uh let's get into what we are what we are here to discuss. So um I'll tee this up for you and then I will hand you the ball and you can uh, run us into the end zone. Yeah. to use an extraordinarily tired sports analogy. Um basically I remember when we did the Summer of DeFi series way back in the uh infant days, the the um learning to walk days of the Future Folio podcast. We did this whole series on DeFi And one of the things that we did as a sort of fun exercise was we each tried to come up with a DeFi protocol that we would like to create to try and take advantage of this of this newfangled Web3 decentralized finance technology, the velocity, the opportunity um, to, you know, get yield from crypto to have, uh, you know, anyone can be a market maker, anyone can be a lender, anyone can be a borrower. How do we use this? Um, and we had some ideas then, but I feel like you and I, uh, sort of privately offline have continued to chat and you've continued to look at this, especially as we've thought more and more about, um, some of the tools that are available to wealthy people in, uh, conventional vehicles, things like trusts and, uh, you know, uh, some of the, the tricks and, and the, uh, the margin borrowing that we've talked about as techniques that people use and, and have developed and used over the course of decades to manage their gains, manage their tax exposure. And so, uh, I think it seems like, you know, you and I had a conversation where it sounds like you basically had like a flux capacitor moment, like slipped, hit your head on the, uh, on the tile stood up and came up with a DeFi protocol. So um I I want to hear this fleshed out. I want to hear the whole idea. I've gotten the thumbnail sketch from you over text. Yeah. But so so give it to us. What is your what is your big DeFi idea as we wrap up this year? We've had a summer of DeFi, a summer of NFTs, a fall and a winter of DeFi and NFTs. We are now two weeks from the end of the year. And it seems like you've cracked open something that is potentially uh, pretty interesting. So go ahead.
0: Well, so I, I should say, I, I haven't figured out how to make this a DeFi protocol. Um, I, I think there's potential for a DeFi protocol, but I haven't figured it out yet. So here's kind of what has driven me. Um, there there's, there's been a couple things I've been thinking about lately. Um, the, the first is how do you go about creating a portfolio for people who are nearing retirement that provides any type of stability and yield Because in the olden days, you know, when you begin to near retirement, you put your money in bonds or you put your money in dividend stocks and you were able to then have some sort of of yield that would provide you retirement income. Well, the problem lately is that bonds, you know, particularly longer term bonds are not a good investment because interest rates have been so low. And as interest rates begin to rise, the the price is going to begin to decline uh, on those bonds. And then the the second problem is even dividend stocks don't seem safe right now. So you have AT&T, which has been kind of the gold standard stock, you know, when we had the, the crash in, um, uh, the crash in March of 2020, I think AT&T bottomed out at the very worst day at $27 or something, a share or something like that. Um, it, it, this past week was at a twenty one dollars or twenty one and a half dollars. Right. So this this very stable, solid dividend stock is cratering partially because there's a lot of fear that they're going to cut their dividend. Um, so I've been trying to figure out how do you go about building a portfolio that provides yield and And I thought, you'd be really great if you could do this with DeFi. But then the next thing I I thought was, well, yeah, it'd be great if you could do it with DeFi, but it would also be great if you could do it in a tax-deferred account, either an IRA or a a Roth IRA. A Roth would be best because you could take the income out tax-free. So anyway, I began to do some research. And the first thing that I found, is that you can um, open up an, uh, an IRA or a Roth IRA and you can put crypto inside of it. So you can open up your own Roth IRA. So for example, if in 2013, you'd opened up a Roth IRA and put Bitcoin in there, uh, let's say whatever it was at, was, you know, I don't know what it was in 2013, let's say it was $500 a share.
1: You want me to look it up? Yeah, look it up. So just to clarify, a Roth IRA is the one where you pay the taxes when you withdraw, Not the one where you put in the money, you pay the taxes and then take the post-tax dollars and put those in the IRA. That's conventional. Roth is, I'm going to put it in now and I'll pay you the taxes when I withdraw.
0: The opposite way. So a Roth the opposite. Is, yeah, So a Roth is when I, I'm going to put the money in now, I'm not going to get a tax discount or a, a tax deduction rather. Um, but when, no matter how large this the account, account, grows to, I take everything out tax free. So, you know, if I, you know, invest in Tesla options that when they're at, you know, when Tesla's at $200 a share before the split and those explode, you know, you're limited. You can only put in a certain amount, you know, $6,000 or whatever it is, it, you know, you can put in more depending on your age, but somewhere around $6,000 is what you can put in a year. Um, If you put that all in Tesla options and it explodes to the upside, you know, let's say you turn six thousand into two hundred thousand, you take that two hundred thousand out at retirement tax free. So if you put Bitcoin in your Roth when in two thousand thirteen, what was it at in two thousand thirteen?
1: Well, I'm I'm a little afraid to tell you. Are you sure you want to hear this? No, I
0: don't. I don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is going to make us both. I'm already but i guess i'll i'll bring you down with me. So your guess was bitcoin was 500? Yeah, 500. Bi- bitcoin was right around
0: 110.
1: $110. Yeah, give or take. Over the course of the year it's like 110, eight, 130 eight, it goes eight years, to 80. 8 years ago. Yeah, 8 years ago. By by the end of the year, it closed the year Uh, It went on a bull run in December and closed the year right around 800. Okay. But I mean, in the summer of 2013, it was trading for like between 100 and 130.
0: So just to to put some numbers around it, let's say in the the summer of 2013, you open up a Roth IRA and you put Bitcoin in it and you're like, you know what, I'm going to yellow on some Bitcoin just just one year. I'm never going to do this again, but one year I'm going to put this in and I'm going to put every penny of that 6000 into Bitcoin. And so, you know, you're going to buy with that 54 Bitcoin. Well, today you would have. um, Oh, God,
1: this is going to hurt so bad. Let's see. 54 times and it's not even doing well. Just call it for round numbers. 54 times 50,000.
0: Somewhere around $2.7 million from that 6,000. But what's what's most spectacular about this is that $2.7 million you could pull out when you're 59 and a half tax-free, not pay a penny of tax on that, that money. So th- this part is easy. It's it's very easy. There's a few different websites that'll let you do this. Some um, asset managers will allow you to create an, an IRA or a Roth IRA um, through their firm and they can put Bitcoin, they can put the money in a Bitcoin or Ethereum. In fact, <clears throat> we just, my, uh, I just set up with a, with the custodian this week to be able to, to create those accounts for clients. So that's that's the easy part.
1: Do you have, just, just as a sidebar for my own curiosity, do you have any clients yet who are doing that?
0: No, not yet. Um, I, I partially didn't have the capability to do it until this week. Um, I still don't love the option that I have for them, partially because I think the fees are too high. Um, but yeah, so until this week I didn't have the option um and and uh there's also if you just want to do this yourself there's a company i think the best easiest one to use is alto ira or something along those lines i i have no connection to them other than their website looks nice and they have good reviews online um and they'll set this up for you so you can set up a roth and, and Roth, you you can only there's income limits and it's kind of tricky and and so one of the things i tell people is if you ever want to do where i'm leading Go ahead, you, if you're earning too much money to put your money in a traditional Roth, so you know, for if it's a, a married couple, I think the, the cap is like $198,000 a year or thereabouts, $200,000 a year. If you earn more than that, you can't put any money in a Roth. But if your work has a Roth 401k, you might be able to max that out and put a, a large chunk of money in the, uh, a Roth 401k at work. And then at some point, roll it over into an individual Roth.
1: That's interesting. I know at at Coinbase, just for reference, I know we have an option to put crypto into a 401k. I don't know that it's a Roth. I think it's just a regular 401k.
0: Well, even if you're just putting cash into the Roth, if you have the option to do a Roth 401k, um, one thing I've told some clients is max that out because at some point you can roll that over into a Roth. And this is where things really get interesting. So what I've talked about so far is really easy. Anyone can do it. You could do it tonight. But there's a, there's a next step, and this is where I get excited, is you can create, because um, the question for me was, not only can I put Bitcoin or Ethereum in um, my wallet um, or in my Roth, but could I do DeFi transactions, earn yield on that DeFi, transaction inside my Roth.
1: So, in other words, could you connect your Roth account to a crypto wallet, and then uh, use that wallet to interact with Convex Finance or Curve, exactly, or, exactly, yeah, or other DeFi protocols for the purpose of messing around and yield farming?
0: Yeah, oh, and just to, to generate a yield. Let's say you've retired; you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars in your Roth. at at Coinbase, you know, things have gone well, you've been there 10 years, you're ready to retire, you roll that over into a a self, and here's where, so you have to create a self-directed Roth IRA. You roll your 250,000 or half a million into your self-directed Roth IRA. And then the question I had was, could I then yield farm with that money and take out the earnings tax-free? So that led me down a deep rabbit hole And the answer is yes, Um, but it's not easy. Uh, What you have to do is you have to create a self-directed either IRA or self-directed Roth IRA, and you have to find a custodian for that product. So there are a few companies out there that will serve as the custodian um, for your Roth, your self-directed Roth, and then it's called a checkbook Roth IRA. You can then invest in all sorts of different things. You can invest in private asset, Offerings you can invest in real estate, so you could write it, you know, you that that Roth IRA could own a rental home, and you could earn the income, the you know, the the yield from that rental income um, tax free. Uh, or uh, actually, that's not completely true. That that gets a little complicated with rental income. Um, but it can own a it can own a rental house and take the assets, the appreciation. So then um, I, I started figuring. Trying to figure out, okay, so if I can have a checkbook IRA and I can own other assets, can that IRA own a wallet and to be able to yield or do DeFi with it? And the answer is yes. So here's how it has to work. You you get a custodian to hold your Roth IRA, your self-directed Roth, and then that self-directed Roth buys or is the sole owner of a an LLC. And you can set it up in any state you want, and that LLC will be will have a um, a crypto wallet, and you can set up through Gemini. Gemini lets you set up LLC um, crypto wallets. I don't know if Coinbase will or not. Um, few other custodians will. Um, for small players. I know we'll
1: do it for business customers. I don't know if we do it for retail individual customers. So it
0: is a business, it'd be an LLC, but it'd be a small LLC.
1: I, well, I, when I say business, I mean like, like institutional. institutional clients. clients. Yeah. So yeah, it is like we have that capacity for sure. For retail, I, I'm not certain.
0: So I know Jim and I will do smaller. They consider it institutional, but they do smaller. I think I read that Coinbase will only do this for large institutions.
1: So when you when you say self-directed, does that mean like, you know, could you do this on behalf of a client, or it has to be self-directed? Like individuals need to do this on their own? How strict when you say self-directed, is that literal?
0: This is where I haven't this is where I, I'm hitting a glitch. I haven't figured out how I could do this yet for a client. That's what I haven't figured out. Right now, you would have to go out and do the work on your own. But it's possible that if you had a dowel, you know, that was doing the yield farming and creating a yield, there could be an asset fee for managing that Dow. and your, um, your LLC that's owned by your Roth could just own shares in that Dow.
1: So it seems to me, I mean, by the same token, if there's an LLC involved, couldn't you just act on behalf of the LLC?
0: Most likely. I just haven't, I've been trying to find anyone who's doing this and there's no one that's doing
1: it. Right no now. one's doing this. Nobody. So, so nobody wants to be the one who wants to see like, you know, can the SEC shoot this far? Exactly. <laughs> this like,
0: exactly. You know, so, yeah. so it's, it seems that it would be a possibility, but I just haven't found anyone that's doing it yet. Um. So anyway, so you, you, you create, you find a custodian to hold your, your self-directed Roth. That's pretty easy to do. Then you have to create, it costs about $750 to open up an LLC, to have a lawyer structure it because a uh, an IRA LLC has to be written slightly different than a traditional LLC. So you don't want to use, you know, whatever the online services are to create an LLC. Legal Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Legal Zoom. Um, Stripe Atlas. So, so there's some lawyers that specialize in this. Most of them are in Wyoming. They create the LLC for you. The LLC then opens an account with Gemini Institutional then you have a uh, a wallet and then you're off to the races and you can really do anything you want with that. Now here's where it gets a little more complicated. You can do anything you want with it with the exception of um mining or staking. Those are
1: bo- Oh, that's too bad.
0: Those, staking would have been good. Those both fall under unrelated business income, UBIT. But yields are not yield or automated market making don't seem to be considered unrelated business income because a, a Roth is allowed to have a yield, a dividend or whatever that might be. So that's fine. But staking and mining are seen as unrelated business income. Um, and so they are excluded. Now there's a, there's a really tricky way to, to still get some, to be able to stake and be able to yield or to do mining, but it gets really complicated. You'd have to then set up a, uh, a C corp, the LLC would have to own the C corp, and you'd have to—that's to, brutal. You'd have to be moving yeah, some is, serious money.
1: Yeah, to make it to make it worth structuring all of this. But
0: it is possible if you have a half million dollars in your Roth. You know, I think it's pretty easy to get a yield of ten or fifteen percent in the DeFi world. You know, y- it, you could be, you know, earning you know ten or fifteen percent on your. Half million dollars tax free.
1: Hmm. But that all right. So one of the caveats, though, that that you mentioned at the beginning, I guess we should highlight is that um, it's only tax free if you withdraw it after a certain age, right? Like right. So you are you are. It seems to me, first and foremost, you got to be pretty bullish on the future of DeFi, right, and the future of crypto, right? You know, and whatever crypto you're in, I guess probably ETH or you know maybe Solana. Um, at least at this point, Avalanche more and more. But like most of your, at the end of the day, what you're going to be getting are going to be, you know, and uh, like if you're yield farming, what you may be getting is the convex token or curve tokens. So it's not even just ETH. You're making like a 50-year bet on convex finance. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's like, oh man, I've got a whole ton of convex coins in my account but i guess you could if you wanted to you could transmute those into eth right 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 so okay so you could you could pull your you could pull your yield down and uh and exchange it for eth or even i suppose exchange it for cash as long as it stays in the account as right? long as it
0: stays in the account exactly
1: yeah or at least at the very least exchange it for usdc if you were concerned about that so that's uh yeah that's interesting so then it's um because one thing i've noticed actually We never rounded back, but DeFi has become like, it's very interesting. It's kind of become like the video game market where, um, these things are like hot products and then they fade. Right. And the, the chart of, you know, there are a few like curve I think has kind of cemented itself as an essential building block, quote unquote, money Lego that a lot of projects build on top of. Um, and you have other ones that have been fast risers and have had pretty good longevity like, uh um compound and ave but uh, i don't know there's a lot of um churn there's a lot of like oh look at this one oh look at that one oh there's this on solana try this on avalanche now it's on arbitrum now it's on polygon there's a lot of like what's the hot new thing in the DeFi space so these things tend to sort of ping pong up and down in terms of popularity and and uh size um so it is interesting. I mean, it's something you, what I'm saying is I think it's something you would have to actively manage. You would, it's not have just to, like- you would have
0: to actively manage it. Honestly, if I were doing this, I would go one of two ways. If I am nearing retirement age, I might, you know, and I, I need the yield and I don't think I'm going to get the yield any other way. I might take my Roth from my, from, you know, company I've been working for that has a half million dollars, roll that Roth into one of these self-directed IRAs uh, and then manage it, and that's really where I get my retirement income from. Otherwise, if I was going to go this route, and I, you know, I earned, you know, under the, the the threshold, I would probably just put, you know, some coins that I believed in—Ethereum, Solana, Bitcoin—put them in the Roth and just leave them alone. And in twenty years, come back and, assuming they did well, then look at this more complicated structure.
1: So this is like the ultimate hodling scenario. Yeah. Where it's like, if you're a pro hodler, if you are, you know, for real diamond handed, true believer, you could put your crypto in a in a Roth and leave it there for like 30 years. And when you're ready to retire, pull it out, tax free. Exactly.
0: I mean, and it's the type of thing. You do it one year right now. If you're you know, 25 and you're listening to this podcast, you go open up a Roth, you put in $6,000, you do it one year and, and the rest of your life, you, you invest your money like a normal boring person, you know, in index funds. But you got this one little thing here. And if you're right about crypto and about Bitcoin in 30 years, you could have a significant sum of money sitting in this account that you could use. Um, you know, so it's the type of thing where it's not, you're not take particularly if you're younger, you're not taking a big risk to open up a, a Roth and put some crypto in it.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. It seems like it makes sense if like, if you're a crypto investor or if you're an investor who wants to have crypto as part of the portfolio and, and you're, you know, some years away from retirement like why wouldn't you just at least put a little of it in put a thousand a year
0: yeah put a thousand know? a year in there
1: put put yeah like if you're young put in 500 bucks this year into this kind of account so it seems like the obstacle then is to is to get this thing in place like show me the app in the app store that I can click the button and have this account and then dump the money into exactly so uh so is this something where i guess you it seems like there's three or four different steps and entities and service providers involved in getting this thing on its feet, yeah?
0: Yeah, you need three You need three people, uh, three different uh, intermediaries. The first you, person you need is a custodian to hold your, your uh, self-directed IRA. And there are a number of companies out there. The problem with the, these companies is they often have higher fees. They'll charge you a monthly fee for custodying your account. Um, you know, it can be as high as thirty dollars a month. Um, sometimes they'll have a an account opening fee of one hundred and fifty bucks or something
1: like that. Oh my god! So is that thirty dollars a month every month until you retire? Until you retire,
0: so, that's brutal. So that's one of the reasons I, you need to be doing a larger chunk. I, I think it's going to start coming down. Right now, it's kind of fringe fringe organizations that are doing this. And the problem for them is they don't have the ways, you know, traditional custodian makes money off trading fees and things like that, whereas these firms aren't don't have that revenue stream. So they have to have some way to, to make money. So the first thing you need to do is find a custodian that can hold a self-directed IRA. Second thing you need to do, if you're going to do the really complicated version, if you're not going to do the complicated version, often that custodian can also put, uh, they typically have an arrangement with Gemini. Uh, for whatever reason, most of them tend to work with Gemini. Uh, and you can go ahead and buy through them or buy through an intermediary that they're connected with. So you don't have to go find someone else, even if there's someone else involved. But for the more complicated process, the next thing you need to do is you need to find a lawyer to structure a an IRA LLC or a checkbook LLC, as they're called. Um, And then once you've done that, then you need to find a custodian or a a trading firm that will let that LLC own or open an institutional account or an institutional wallet. So there's a number of steps that are involved.
1: Yeah, this is intensive. So do you have ambitions to try and like productize this to make it so it's like signed here, give me the word. And I will just set this thing up for you. Like you can templatize this to to make this into a, a one step product for people. Yeah, I mean, are what are you going to do this for the world, Kevin? Yeah,
0: I don't know if I'm going to do this for the world. I thought about it. I just don't know that I have the wherewithal, at least right now. I, I think there's a there's a it, there are are too many regulatory questions that still need to be worked out, and I don't have a big enough legal team to work through these questions.
1: Yeah, where like basically I am your legal team and I don't practice law anymore. Exactly. So it's <laughs> a little bit of a rough team.
0: But <laughs> but I do I am talking to people who are in the in the um I, the the RIA space, the independent RIA space, that um are beginning to look at like Jim and I Earn and talking to regulators about what would it look like for clients to hold their cash in Jim and I Earn through through their um, investment advisors. As that begin as, as as those hurdles begin to be cleared, I think it would make sense to say, why, why can't your investment advisor allocate you to curve or to convex or some of the larger, more established protocols? And that's where I would re- that's where I would really be interested uh, in being involved and figuring out exactly how you help, you know, you have a, a retired Person who wants to, 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 generate a significant amount of yield, you know, you know, how do you make sure that they have the right, um, insurance to back up that protocol and things like that and working through that?
1: Yeah, I think this, this brings us full circle back to where we started the conversation, which is, you know, once again, waiting for the institutional players to get into this space and, and, uh, stop being, you know, these nervous purposes walking around the swimming pool, trying to decide if they want to get in or not. Um, you know, it, it took them a while with Bitcoin and now we have them in Bitcoin and for better and for worse, as we were discussing. And I think, you know, my sense is that everything that happens in the retail space with, uh, degenerate lunatics like you and me who are willing to throw some money in and see what happens. Um, obviously for institutional players who are talking about tens or hundreds of millions of dollars or even billions of dollars, there's a little more reticence and just a little more, you know, it's like the thing they say in Hollywood, like nobody ever got fired for not making a movie. Right. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. If you make a movie and it bombs, you can get in big trouble. If you pass on a script, hey, that happens all the time. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I think there's a, a hesitancy here and a, a lack of understanding um, and a lack of uh, of comfort. I, I mean, just by by way of reference point about institutional investors in this space I can tell you we have a lot, a lot of help articles about how do you use a YubiKey to like use it. So, you know, DeFi is complicated. And my my general sense is that um, institutions, institutional investors are interested. They're kind of like the squirrel who is very cautiously approaching, um, but are are not 100 percent ready to get into this once they do. You know, MetaMask has an institutional product. Ave has an institutional product. We're seeing it more and more in the DeFi space. The interest is there. It's it's um it's fast growing. I think it will get there. I think in general, you know, institutions tend to be a couple years behind yeah. um, where retail is. Yeah, but-
0: yeah, but I think it's coming, and I think it's coming to the wealth management space. So I talked to a couple different firms in the past week um, about a platform to be able to. Put clients' assets in crypto. And there's a couple of companies out there. The the one um, that I talked to, they're doing an SMA, a, you know, a separately managed account for Bitcoin and for Ethereum. And then they've got a Bitcoin, Ethereum with a number of altcoins packaged. And the fees, you know, it's a hundred bips at minimum plus a custody fee. So you're talking 130 bips a year. Um, on top of any trading fees on top of any fees that the asset manager is going to charge so that's pretty high
1: um and yeah it seems like that stuff is is kind of calculated to take advantage of people who are like really salivating desperate to get in exactly
0: but but then you're seeing new firms that are coming out there's one on-ramp that that's coming out and they charge advisors a flat fee but then you just the clients pay uh, uh just the trading fee of like 35 bips and which is what you're going to pay on any platform anyway. Uh, and they, Onramp just partnered with um, Wisdom Tree and Ritholtz Wealth, which is a wealth management fir- firm out of New York. Um, and they've just created basically an index fund for DeFi or for crypto. It has uh, a pro- its majority of the uh, the index is Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, more Bitcoin than Ethereum, and then it has ten other coins. It has Solana and a few other coins mixed in there, uh, with low fees. And so that you know that just got released this past week, um, which is a big which is a big step because partially one of the uh, one of the partners at Ritholtz uh, Wealth, um, I'm totally blanking on his name, uh, Josh Brown. Uh, he had said a while back that. Advisors are going to wait to get into the space until the first person gets sued, and I think he said he he wasn't going to touch it, uh, and that was a year ago. And now his firm is one of the the first ones to offer this um, crypto index. So I think it's coming. It's going to it, once once that ball starts rolling, it's going to start coming faster and faster. Um, but I'm just ex- I was excited to discover there there is a framework to be able to do this for clients or potentially for at least clients can do it for themselves, a way to earn yield in their retirement accounts using DeFi. Um, have
1: you have you reached out to uh, Genesis Block? Have you circled back with our buddies at Genesis Block and see if they have any designs on a product like this? Because it seems to me that they would be like close to the front of the line to do a thing like that. You know, I
0: actually almost emailed him this week to say, has anyone put your product in a self-directed Roth? because then it's basically doing it all for them, right? Um, They would just they would just have to be willing to open up an account for an institutional client. And I assume they would. And then that takes care of all this for you. They do the work for you.
1: Well, it's interesting. I am hoping to uh to get into business with them next year and uh at the very least we'll have that conversation with Tyler. Yeah. But um the problem yeah, I think it's... the
0: problem with well, oh sorry, go ahead. The problem with uh Genesis Block is they're only accepting accredited investors, which is, you know, a, a pretty high bar. Hmm. Yeah, you, know, you need Well
1: to- We'll have to see. I might have to uh go down go downtown and uh get myself a uh Fake accredited investor ID. See if there's a kid in the dorm who makes those.
0: Well, you know the the thing is, well, two things. <laughs> First of all, um, on the the uh, accredited investor, it's all based on whatever you say. So anyone, right. the kid in the dorm, can claim he's accredited investor, even though he has a, no money to his name. Um, I can't tell you to tell them that, but that's the truth, right? Anyone can to do that. The other thing. Is, is that the the SEC has, has begun to expand the definition of a accredited investor. So before you had to have a certain asset level, now they're saying, well, you know, maybe if you don't have the asset level, but you have a particular level of sophistication. So for example, uh, people who have a securities license are now able to be considered an accredited investor, which is kind of ridiculous. You know, you could be a, a wealth manager, a portfolio manager who analyzes deal flows all day long and not be allowed to invest in, you know, $20,000 in Genesis Block.
1: It's interesting. Um, I, I think there's some some sentiment that um, uh, Brian Armstrong, who's uh, my boss, uh, the Coinbase CEO, has expressed that this whole idea of, like, trying to protect retail investors from themselves by not allowing them to invest in, in these kinds of alternative investments, um, you know, uh, IPOs and, and stuff like that and, uh, private companies, um, let alone, you know, crypto, uh, products, um, the, the whole sentiment that, oh, this is too dangerous for you. You're not capable of understanding this. We're not going to let you invest in it. Um, that it's just fundamentally like kind of un-American and that it, it really does stifle innovation and slow down the velocity of money in a way that, um, you know, theoretically holds us back. I mean, obviously, anybody who invests in new companies has the potential to lose their shirt. I mean, that's kind of the first rule of venture capital, right? Is like you're going to invest in a hundred companies and 90 of them won't exist in a year. Yeah. But like, you know, that's your money. And and as long as you are getting honest information about what you're investing in, there's a case to be made that you ought to be allowed to invest in. And the thing that you always say is, Why is it that I'm allowed to take my money to Vegas and blow it on the jets, but I can't invest it in a company that I think is working on something that might be earth-shattering, life-altering, transformative technology? It just doesn't make sense logically. Exactly. So I think really, you know, I don't know which way the regulatory stuff is going to go, and I'm far from qualified to comment, and I am explicitly forbidden from doing so by my employer. Nevertheless... What I, what I would hope for is that, you know, if, if uh, like the best case scenario here for regulation is that we look at this and say, the onus is not on forbidding people from investing in things. The onus is on people who are offering investments to provide perfect, you know, clarity about what it is that they're selling and provide the information. And it's so easy to have that information organized and available and accessible online now. Yeah that it seems to me that like in the presence of good information about what this is and and what its financial prospects are that you ought to just throw open the gates like there is a scenario where it's like that is what should be happening here is as long as the disclosures are good what is the utility of stopping people from investing in in these things just by virtue of the fact that they're new yeah so um You know, I mean, we always talk about regulatory risk, but there is like regulatory upside here. If if regulators would just say, you know, like, yeah, we're going to let you come and play. I mean, that's kind of privately what I dream about. Yeah. is like, can't we just can't you just let us play? You know, I'm not saying everyone should go and invest their rent money, but like, you know, it's fun to get in on this stuff.
0: You know, I, I. Early, when there were early um, interactions between regulators and the crypto world, it, they seemed a bit antagonistic? Right? And, and I think because they were. And I think regulators felt a bit antagonistic. Um, but you know, there was a hearing this week um, with the CEO of FTX and a number of other crypto people. And it was actually really it was productive. and and I, you 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 felt there was mutual respect from both sides. Um, you didn't feel like members of Congress were just trying to score points you felt that some people really got crypto. Um, and, and you also saw a bit of respect, um, from the, from the, uh, from the crypto side as well. Um, so I I think we're going to begin to see a, a real sea change, partially driven by members of Congress who are really into crypto and other people in Washington who get this, you know, I'm right now I'm in the middle of, um, getting a digital asset certification for financial advisors. So, you know, be able to show I actually know what I'm talking about when managing clients' money uh, around uh, digital assets. And, you know, during the course of the certification, I've been taking classes with various people. And it turns out a lot of the people I'm taking classes with are some of the, the OGs in the blockchain space. And, you know, I kind of expected it would all be bros with hoodies and laser eyes but it's often you know professors and a button up and tweed with a pipe um who created some of these early early systems that these protocols are built on so they might not have created bitcoin but the one guy who taught one of the classes he is footnoted numerous times in the early bitcoin white paper so his work really created the space for Bitcoin. And so as, and I think you're, you're going to begin to see it, it move more and more mainstream as people realize this isn't something that just comes from the fringe, um, but is, is really transformative technology and has the, uh, the, the possibility to transform commerce, the possibility to transform finance. Um, and, uh, now I've got my doorbell going off, um, and, uh, yeah, to, to make a better world.
1: Yeah. Well, to quote, The succession money wins so you know um we've uh i mean we've seen crypto now grow to the size where it is it is sort of if not too big to fail at the very least too big to ignore yeah and uh and that tends to uh motivate a lot of people to say okay you know um i mean look money wins people like money people like money so all right well that's cool this um this is the intersection of a lot of things i don't know will this be our last episode of the year can we sneak in one more yeah i mean
0: i'm i'm in town until the 24th so i could get in one more uh next week if you wanted to
1: yeah let's plan on that let's 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 fight for that let's really hold the line and say you know like we're gonna make this happen, I want that okay, so we'll do our uh we'll do our our super sentimental annual sign off next year, but uh or next week rather for the year um
0: may we yeah, may we can sing a duet of old enzyme or something I don't know.
1: yeah i i well, we can talk about it, but uh <laughs> but uh yeah, that was cool i'm i'm uh it's interesting it's an interesting synthesis of a lot of the stuff that we've been discussing all year and trying to figure out like the ups and downs of this stuff. DeFi and wallets and taxes and uh, institution versus retail and individual investors versus advisors and mainstream adoption. So, um, yeah, I think it's a cool idea. I think we're going to see more and more things like this of of trying to find ways to fold crypto into the ideas and concepts and accounts and instruments and and structures that we already have to help people manage their money efficiently. Yep. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, as usual, we find ourselves on the tip of the spear. So, uh, okay. well, so, yeah, thank you. We'll,
0: we'll do one more episode next week and then uh, we'll end this out for the year. And then we've got exciting things coming at the beginning of the new year.
1: All right. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you uh, next week. See you all next week. Bye. Bye.